are starting a brand new sermon series today titled Planted. Everyone say Planted. Again, I am excited about this series. This is going to be a special day. This is going to be a special series. I typically do not preach on this weekend. I usually take off. In fact, I don't think I've preached on Thanksgiving weekend in years. I typically take this weekend off and uh, we go and spend time with the family. But over a month ago, God told me, I want you to start this new series on Thanksgiving weekend. I said, God, I don't want to, (laughs) but I will. (laughs) Um, And so it's a special, there's a reason. God doesn't do anything by accident. Everything God does is on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And so starting this new series on Thanksgiving weekend is on purpose. God has a word for you today. You're not here by accident. None of you. I truly believe this series will be instrumental and impactful to your life. I believe that this series will lead many of you from just knowing about Christ to being planted and rooted in Christ. From just coming to church to being planted and rooted in the church, the house of God, because that's what the church is, the house of God. And how many know it's Christ's church? And Christ is coming back for what? For, for people that just meet in their homes? For the church, that's what the Bible says, that Christ is coming back for the church, his church, that's without spot, without wrinkle. And and I know people mean well when they say this, and the quote has some truth to it. Don't just bring people to church, bring them to Christ. That's true, that's true, that's the ultimate goal. But how many know that the church is Christ's church? (laughs) And so quit saying that. Because I've, I've seen and I've experienced more people come to Christ in the church and through the church than any other avenue in the world. More than the person holding the airphone or the, what is it called? The, yeah, the megaphone screaming, turn or burn. You're going to hell, bro. That's not effective. That's not our job. And so, the church is so important. Being planted in the church is so, so important. Being planted in the house of God is so, so important. Being planted in Christ is so, so important. How many know the goal isn't just coming to church? The goal is being the church. Come on. The the goal is being planted and rooted in the church, the house of God. The goal isn't just knowing about Christ. The demons know about Christ. The devil knows about Christ. No, the goal is to be planted and rooted in Christ. And my prayer is that through this series, many of you, those of you listening online today, would be planted and rooted in Christ through this series. I pray that you get so planted and so rooted in Christ that nothing or no one can uproot you. It's time to get planted, y'all. I want to start in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 3. And the Bible says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in 
the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditate on his word day and night, night and day. It all works together. Day and night, night and day. And they will be like a tree planted. Somebody say planted. By streams of water which yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Can we pray over this sermon? Will you join me in praying over this sermon? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that this sermon would truly be anointed from on high. God, that the uh, multiplication anointing would be on this sermon. God, that you would take this sermon to places that we can't even dream that it would go. To new places, new faces. God, minister, touch, and deliver through this sermon. I pray over every distracting spirit. No, let me say every distracting demon. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, you have to flee. Every demon that's coming against the mind, the heart, and the lives of your people has to leave this place because the name of Jesus has been spoken. And so, Father, right now, clear every heart, every mind, and let every person under the sound of my voice receive a word from the Father today. Let them know without a doubt that the Father spoke directly to them. This sermon is just for them, individually, God. I thank you for the anointing that's on this sermon, that's on this series, that's on this vessel, that's on this stage. God, I pray that it would move and flow into the back door, to the balcony, through the live stream. Let your anointing flow. We thank you. We honor you. We give you praise. In your mighty name, everyone says amen. So when I was in seventh grade, our church, my home church, started a Christian school. And of course, I went to that Christian school. I graduated, or I went from seventh grade to, through graduation. And when we started this school, we memorized scripture. And so every month we had a new memorization, scripture memorization. And it wasn't just a verse, y'all. It wasn't just one verse. It was a passage of scripture. And the very first month of the very first year, we memorized Psalms 1. I remember like yesterday. This is the very first passage that we memorized in that school. And... Um, I remember also in high school, I was in my junior year, I memorized the whole book of Psalms, y'all. And so in, in the school we were awarded, it was called the Golden Lamb Award for memorizing the book of Psalms. And so we could memorize it in chunks. And so I didn't memorize it and quote it, you know, from Psalms 1 to Psalms 149, is that what it is? Uh, but I memorized it in chunks and we were able to say it in chunks to our teacher and, and then the next year we memorized the book of Proverbs which was the Golden Harp Award and so just wanted to share that with you because it's going to be instrumental part of this message later on as I preach the title of today's sermon is that's the plan everyone say that's the plan what's the plan pastor to be planted that's the plan 
Church, that's the plan of God. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that was the plan of God to be planted. And by the way, I'm going to say this. God created Adam and Eve, y'all. Not Adam and Steve, nor even Madam. Just saying. That, that's the Word of God. And listen, and when I say that, let me, let me share this with you. As a pastor... I am called to preach the entire book. I can't leave out anything. And how many know I'll be judged for what I preach? Okay, but this is what you might not know. I'll be judged for what I don't preach as well. And so I don't preach to offend, but I do preach the truth of God's holy word to defend the credibility of God's word because it's being watered down it's being changed sculpted reversed uh, all kinds of wrong things are being done with the word of God in this hour and, and, and it's not a surprise the Bible says it will but at the same time as a pastor I am called to preach the holy word truth in love and remember Truth without love isn't truth. Love without truth isn't love or truth, right? And so it has to be a balance of, of both. And so from the very beginning, the plan for man and for woman was one man, one woman, not two men, not two women, not six men and six women. No, it's one man, one woman. That was the plan of God. By God's design from the very beginning, marriage is a holy institution established in heaven by God our creator who said it is not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? He created for man. And the Bible says that a man shall leave his father and mother and would be... The, the two will become one. Thank you. That's the plan. That's the plan of God. It doesn't change. We cannot change that. And being planted, that's the plan. It started in the garden. Think about it. Put it together. What do you do in a garden? You plant things. And so that was the plan of God from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, was to plant and to be planted that's the plan of God in Genesis 2 15 the Bible says that God placed Adam in the garden and he told him to work the garden to work the land that's the plan guys go to work hello <laughs> it's not to sit at home be lazy to live off of everyone else no the plan of God is to work for man God put man in the garden to work and, and, and let me say this in spite what you've been taught in church or by your former pastor in Sunday school, by your Sunday school teacher, work is not a result of sin. Work is not a result of the fall of man. God told Adam to work before the fall. And so therefore, the plan of God is to work. Work. It's not something to be avoided. The Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't get to what? Or shouldn't get to eat but his, here's what's happened in our mixed up messed up culture of ours our all inclusive culture the man who does work pays for the man who doesn't work to eat that's not the plan of God it, it's mixed up 
and must stop. God put Adam in the garden and he told him to work it. Everyone say work it. Now that doesn't mean strut your stuff, bro. <laughs> that means go to work, bro. That's the plan of God. That even though the Garden of Eden was paradise, how many know it's called paradise? It still had work to be done. There was still work to be done in the Garden of Eden, paradise. God said to work the land. As the old farmer used to say, without work, nothing grows but weeds. Nothing grows but weeds. So the ground had to be tilled. Seeds had to be planted. And I don't know if God gave Adam a handful of seeds like this or a packet of seeds like this. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I try to imagine, you know, how did, how did God set him up? What did God give him? If he gave him? If he gave him the command to work, he had to give him something to work with. Amen? I mean, he doesn't just call us to do something without giving us something to work with. He, he, he equips us. He prepares us. He, he gets us ready for whatever the work is. And so I don't know if God gave Adam seeds in his hand or a packet of seeds. I don't know if God gave him a shovel or a hoe, but I do know this. God gave him a job. God gave him a job in the garden, but more than a job, he gave him a purpose. See, this, was, this work was more than physical, church. It was spiritual. It was spiritual. And so Adam's job and his purpose, I want to say more so, was to plant and to be planted in the garden. That was his purpose. Point number one, our purpose is to plant and to be planted. Think about it. Your purpose, believer, is to plant and to be planted. That's the plan of God. God's plan was that Adam and Eve would live in the Garden of Eden forever and ever and ever, for all eternity. That was God's plan. God didn't plan on them getting kicked out, y'all. God planned on them living there. God planned on Adam and Eve being planted in the garden. And God planned on them planting in the garden. He told them to work it. I don't know what else you can do in a garden. Plant. And therefore to reap a harvest of what they planted. The Amplified uses the word cultivate. Someone say cultivate. Cultivation is what farmers do to ensure that they produce crops, right? What does that mean? That means they dig up the ground. They, they till the ground. They, they dig it up. They, they cultivate it. And then they plant the seed, right? That's the process. And then what, what's next? Fertilization. You, you mentioned it earlier, uh, Becky. How many know what's in fertilizer? Poop, y'all. <laughs> Somebody say poop. <laughs> we just lost all spiritualness. God willing, I'm going to preach a whole sermon through this series on poop, <laughs> on fertilizer. <laughs> How many know God uses the poop of life, fertilizer, to grow us? Come on. And so, I got to save that for later. The farmer waters it, they weed it, and so on, right? But if the farmer is lazy, if the farmer never works the land, if the farmer never cultivates the land, if the farmer never plants the seeds, if, if all the farmer does is take these seeds and just throws them out, but never 
never works it, never cultivates the land, never plants them in the ground, what will take place? I'm just going to say nothing. Nothing. Nothing, church. Listen, I can throw these seeds out all day long, all day long. And, and, and I know that the cleaners are going to get mad at me. But I've already got someone designated to clean this up. So, so relax. Thank you, Dustin, for cleaning up today. He doesn't even know it, but I designated. <laughs> but this is my point. I can throw these seeds out all day long. I can build a sandcastle with these seeds. But if I never cultivate the land, if I never plant them in the ground, nothing will occur, church. Nothing. And honestly, this has been going on far too long in the body of Christ, just scattering seeds, hoping and praying, God, please let it land on good soil. Like drive-by evangelisms, you know? It's like, come on, God, I'm, touch that person, minister that person, but never get out of the car, never go and minister to the person, never meet the need in the person. Listen, if you see a need, don't pray about it. You don't have to pray about it. Meet the need. Step in, intervene. You, you don't have to about have to pray about meeting someone's need if you see it meet it we are a church that meets needs and touches lives that is our motto that is our logo that is our purpose Amen. the great Tommy Barnett said find a need and meet it our purpose as believers is to find a need and meet it and you don't have to look far in CB y'all we're surrounded by it and it's not something that we just need to sit around and pray about. We just need to step into it. Be people of action. And meet the needs. Just throwing out seeds. Just scattering them isn't enough. We got to do more as a church. Let's go to verse 3. That person is like a tree planted. Somebody say planted. By streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This is the theme verse for this series. The Bible says that person is like a tree planted that yields fruit and, and whatever they do prospers. And I think it's safe to say that everyone in this room would like to prosper in everything they do. Amen? I mean, I, I assume everyone in this room would like to prosper. You want your marriage to prosper. You want your home to prosper. You want your finances to prosper. You want your relationships to prosper. You want your ministry to prosper. You, you want your kids to prosper and get out of the house at some point. I'm joking. You, you want everything in, in your life to prosper, right? Anyone not want to prosper in the room? And just, just raise your hand. We want to know who you are. We're going to stone you, and I'm joking. Everyone wants to prosper. Nobody raised their hand. I want to prosper. You want to prosper. Your neighbor wants to prosper. I, your enemy wants to prosper. Hmm? I want you to prosper. As your pastor, my, my prayer is that you prosper. God wants you to prosper. That's the plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. Says who? The Lord. To what? Prosper you. God's plan is for you to prosper. That's the plan of God for you to prosper. I'm not saying that you have everything you want and, and, and all of that. No, but he does want you to prosper, and he cares if you prosper. 
Whatever they do prospers. They prosper at work. They prosper at home. They prosper at school, teenagers. They prosper on the test because they studied. Hello. You don't just show up <laughs> and say, God, let me prosper, but I didn't study. No, it don't work that way. They prosper on the team because they put in the work. They prosper on the field, on the court. They prosper. They prosper in their marriage. They prosper in their relationships. They prosper in their ministry. Everything they do, the Bible says, they prosper. How many want that to be true of you? All of us, right? Now, that doesn't mean that everything is going to always be perfect. You're always going to be perfect. And everything's going to always go perfectly and, and easy because it won't. And that doesn't mean that you all, you'll be filthy rich. That, that's not what it means. That's prosperous according to the world. That's prosperous according to culture. But I want to preach what's prosperous according to God's word. And as believers, that's what we need to know. How many want to know how to be prosperous according to the word of God? Okay, let's go back to verse 2 and it tells us. But first, I want you to go back to verse 3. On your phone, your Bible, circle it, highlight it, memorize it. And now let's go to verse 2. The Bible says, They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You can't just memorize, highlight, circle verse 3. You've got to memorize, highlight, circle verse 2 because the only way to get to verse 3 is through verse 2. It says they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Somebody say meditating. Now notice it says meditating, not medicating. Oh my God, that's a, that's a sermon in itself for another day. Meditating day and night, night and day. Again, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. They meditate on the word of God. But let me teach just for a moment. How many know that meditating doesn't mean that you, your Bible is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're just sitting on your couch or in your chair and you're reading the Bible nonstop? That's not meditating. That's reading. And the Bible says meditating. Meditating is what you do after reading. Hmm? And so after you read it, you meditate on it, you chew on it. You, you rehearse it, you go through it. In your mind, and, and that's how you can meditate day and night, night and day. You, 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 you let it filter through your, your thought process. You, you chew on it and, and truly allow it to do a work in your life. That's meditating. We can't expect to grow by meditating on God's word for five minutes a day. Listen, regardless of what your youth pastor taught you, regardless of what your Sunday school teacher taught you or, or the person on the radio, just get up every day and read a scripture one day and you'll be good. That, it doesn't work. That's not meditating. That, that's not going to keep you full of faith. That's not going to plant you, grow you, and keep you thriving in the house of God and in Christ. That's not it. We cannot... I'm, I'm going to preach this as it got quiet. We cannot... It, Expect to grow and, and, and be thriving and full of faith by meditating on God's word for 30 minutes a week. Come on, we cannot expect to be full of faith from Monday through Saturday by meditating on God's word on Sunday for 30 minutes. It don't work that way. 
The Bible says in the Amplified to habitually meditate on God's word. What does habitually mean? We, we tend to think of it as something negative, like an habitual liar, and we know some of them, right? But habitually means to form a, a habit. It, it, it becomes a, a routine, something that you, you do daily. And so meditating on God's word becomes an intentional habit. It, it, it's what takes place. It's the step after reading. And, and when it becomes a, an intentional habit, it becomes the basis of everything we do. Come on, everything we don't do. Everything we no longer do. Everything we no longer have the desires to do. But even when we have the desires to do, even when we have the temptation to do it, we choose not to because it's become the basis of our life. It guides us, it directs us. And we know what the Word expects of us. The Living Bible says they delight in doing everything that God wants them to do. It doesn't say doing everything that I want to do, everything that my flesh wants to do, everything that, that makes me feel good. It doesn't, or makes me happy. How many know you can do a lot of things that make you feel good and make you happy, but be completely wrong against the Word of God? It might make you happy, but yet it will make you unholy, right? We do what God wants us to do, the Bible says. What his word says to do. And see, that's what makes us holy. And that's what keeps you holy. By living and meditating on God's word. The Christian standard Bible says this is the Lord's instructions. This is the Lord's instructions. But, but let me say this. What good are instructions if you don't use them? Hold up. Guys, what good are instructions if you don't use them? Every woman in this place should be amening me down right now. Because if you're a guy, you, you don't need instructions, right, guys? Come on. We don't need them. We don't like them. We throw them out. It came in the box for what? That was waste of a tree, y'all. <laughs> How many guys have ever done anything without the instructions? Raise your hand. Look around, ladies. You can put them down. How did it work out for you? <laughs> don't answer. Let me ask her. How did it work out for you? <laughs> We've got about a 50-50 shot, y'all. <laughs> It working, not falling apart, and serving its purpose. But according to the ladies, it's a 30-70, right? What good are instructions if we don't use them? Instructions are in to instruct, amen? It's like teachers. Teachers are meant to, come on, if we didn't need them, we wouldn't hire them. We need them, right? I was a teacher for five years in the public school system. I, I was needed. <laughs> Teachers are needed, especially the good ones, or only the good ones. <laughs> Some of them shouldn't be teaching. Right? I'm like, you need to choose another field. In the same way, directions are to direct us. Right? Directions are to direct us. But let me ask you again, guys, what good are directions if you don't use them? Hmm? Come on, ladies. Give me some love. I need a witness. You, you know he doesn't use them. Roxanne, I know Ted does not use directions. 
Like some of you can't get anywhere without using GPS, right? Raise your hand if that's you. Right? Someone got to Crossroads Church today by using a GPS. Raise your hand if it's you. Oh, you're lying. In, in fact, someone's been coming to Crossroads for years and they're still using GPS. Who is it? It's Kylie, y'all. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Directions direct us, right? Just like Google Maps, just like your old Garmin GPS, some of you are still using it. <laughs> that thing's, it's outdated, bro. <laughs> Think about it. In the same way, this word directs us. But I'm going to ask you again, church, what good is it if we don't use it? Come on, how can it direct you if you don't use it? How can it instruct you if you don't use it? Think about it. With, with GPS, when you make a wrong turn, when you get off course, what does it do? It redirects you. It recalculates, right? It corrects you to redirect you, to get you on course, to get you on the... This word will redirect you. Come on, I, I said this will redirect you. It will correct you and redirect you over and over and over. Thank God for His grace this morning. Because when, when I fail, when I make a mistake, His grace is sufficient. He is there to correct me and to redirect me. The whole purpose of correction is for redirection, right? And, and I'll go as far as to say this word will rebuke you. Hmm? And if you've never been rebuked by the word of God, if you've never been rebuked by a pastor, if you've never been rebuked by a spiritual leader, a mother, a father, you're picking and choosing what you believe and follow because this word will rebuke you. This word isn't just to pat you, it's to poke you. Anyone ever been poked by the word of God? This word isn't just to encourage you, it's to correct you, but more so it's to grow you. Ultimately, the goal is to grow us. And, and I don't know if you know it, but growing isn't fun. It hurts. Ask a young boy who had an overnight growth spurt. Or better yet, ask a pregnant lady, y'all. Growing hurts, right? It, it, it's, anyone know anything about growing pains? Someone once said, you cannot grow without pain. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But remember, with pain comes gain, right? But better said, better preach, with pain comes growth how many want to grow get ready for the pain <laughs> you just asked for it <laughs> let's keep going Colossians 3 2 so set your mind on things above but guess what guys ladies social media don't do that binging on Netflix and a bucket of rocky road don't do that <laughs> but the word of God does it sets your mind on things Above, We need to start binging on the B-I-B-L-E, y'all. We, we need to spend less time on social media and spend more time on the B, in the B-I-B-L-E. Let me say it this way. We need to spend more time in the B-I-B-L-E and less time on social media. That almost rhymed. Philippians 4.8 says, Think on or meditate on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is holy. But listen to how the Amplified puts it. 
whatever is right and confirmed by God's holy word. Listen, if it's not confirmed by God's holy word, don't receive it. Uh, don't, don't practice it. Don't apply it. Don't listen to it. If it's a podcast that you're listening to and it's not confirmed by God's holy word, although it encourages you and makes you feel good, if it's not confirmed by the word of God, throw it out like yesterday's trash. If what you're listening to, if what you're watching isn't confirmed by the word of God yet claims to be, it's not good. It's false. Throw it out. If your pastor stops preaching a word that, let me say it this way, if what I preach is it confirmed by the word of God? Send me out of here, y'all. Get a new pastor. Everything I preach must be confirmed by the word of God. Don't take it just because I said it. Search it. Make sure it's confirmed by the word of God. Same thing. Any person you listen to, make sure what they're saying is confirmed by the word of God. Let me keep going. Think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Somebody say planted. You cultivate what you meditate on. And I skipped the whole point number two. What you meditate on determines what prospers in your life. Think about it. What you meditate on determines what grows. You cultivate what you meditate on. Come on, you cultivate what you meditate on. So if you meditate on fear, guess what? You're going to grow fear. You're going to grow fearful. If you meditate on doubt, bitterness, anger, worry, negativeness, depressing, drag you down thoughts, that's what you're going to grow. And today I want to challenge you to meditate on the right things, to meditate on God's holy word, that which is true, that which is pure, that which is right, and that which is holy, which Philippians 4, 8 says. And I challenge you to stop meditating on the wrong things. So what are you meditating on? Be honest with yourself this morning because that's what you're growing in your life. And I want to ask you to meditate on this. See, this is the key to living a prosperous life. And listen, it's possible to be prosperous in this world, in the kingdom of culture, yet not in the kingdom of God. Hear me out. It's possible to be prosperous in this world by not meditating on God's word. People do it every single day right? It's possible to be prosperous monetarily, but not spiritually, but which is more important? Spiritual. Just like it's possible to be happy, but yet unholy, right? Because there's many things we can do that will make us happy, yet make us unholy. But remember, happiness isn't the key. Holiness is. And this will make you holy. I said, this will make you holy. Meditate on this. And let me say this. This has the potential to make you holy and happy at the same time. By meditating on the word of God. This is the, the key to a happy, prosperous, holy life. This right here. As your foundation. This is the key. And listen, if, if, if your pastor, if you've heard a pastor say, God doesn't care anything about your happiness, they're preaching foolishness. Deception. And don't get me wrong, it's not God's main concern. His main concern is your holiness, but he cares about your happiness. He cares about every detail of your life. He's a father, and he's a good, good father. Yo. 
I mean, any father that doesn't care about their child's happiness is a darn fool. He cares about your happiness. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, 24. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The Message Bible says these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living, they are foundational words. I love that. They are the foundation that you need, words to build your life upon. Church, this must be our foundation. This has to be our foundation. And what is a foundation's purpose? To keep it strong, to build upon, to hold it steady. And for the most part, you can't see the foundation, can you? Why? Most of it's underneath the ground. Most of it right now is underneath my feet. You can't see it. Or let me say it this way. The foundation is planted in the ground. It's planted. Now let me tie this all together. In Luke 8.11, Jesus said that, that the word of God is a seed. Come on, think about it. He said the word of God is a seed. And, and, and what do you do with seeds, y'all? plant them come on you you plant them a seed must be planted uh, the, these seeds are are useless until and unless they are planted you don't have to be a farmer to know that a seed is useless until and unless it's planted right these seeds can sit on this pulpit for years useless they will not grow on this pulpit. In my hands, they're useless because in my hands, they're lifeless, right? Because seeds have to be planted. Seeds have to be planted. On this stage, they're useless. In this packet, they're useless. They'll never serve a purpose if they remain in this packet. Yet, yeah, this packet gives me step-by-step -step instructions on how to grow these seeds. How many like beets? Not one couple people like beets. You, you can have this after service. <laughs> grow you a beet. <laughs> okay, how about cucumbers? How, how many like cucumbers? Okay, this is for all the blondes in the room. You cannot grow a pickle. You grow cucumbers. You, you, you make pickles from cucumbers, but you, you cannot grow it. Okay, how many like pickles? How many like cucumbers? Awesome, okay. All right, I gotta find something everyone in the room likes. This packet is step-by-step -step instructions on how to make hot chocolate. <laughs> this is hot chocolate seeds, y'all. And everyone likes hot chocolate, right? Most of us. This is instructions on how to make an ice cream tree, y'all, or how to grow an ice cream tree, right? The, plan, the blondes are like, yes. <laughs> Give me that seed. <laughs> everyone likes ice cream, right? Everyone scream for ice cream. <laughs> okay, let me keep going. In the same way, this is our step-by-step -step instructions on how to grow to be a thriving tree. 
But think about it. If this seed is never planted, it will never grow. Come on, if, it, if it's never planted in me, it will never grow in me. The seed has to be planted in you. It's a seed, right? And so seeds have to be planted and only planted things grow. And so you've got to plant this seed. We cannot expect to grow and in Christ, be thriving and full of faith if his seed, his word, isn't growing in us. If, if the word is never planted in you, you'll never be planted in Christ. The, the only way to be planted in Christ is for his word to be planted in you. We can't expect to be growing, thriving, and full of faith if his word is never planted in us. Yet that's what many expect. If I read a verse in the morning, I'll be thriving, growing, full of faith. It doesn't work that way. Yet that's what the modern day church has preached and promoted from the pulpit. Read a scripture in the morning, say your prayer, and you'll be good. It's not enough. We have to be, the word has to be planted in us for it to grow. I can't expect to be thriving, planted, and growing in Christ if his word isn't planted and growing in me. Point number three, to grow in Christ, his word must grow in me. Come on. To grow in Christ, his word must grow in you. Having the B-I-B-L-E on your phone, on your smartphones, on your table, in your hands, or in your heads isn't enough. It has to be planted in your hearts. The Bible says that. Psalms 119.11 says, King David said, I have stored your word in my heart. Now, the NIV says, I have hidden your word in my heart. But if I was David, if I would have wrote this psalm, I would have used the word planted. <laughs> to keep with this series, the theme of this series, and the theme of the Bible. I'm joking. But think about it. Planted, hidden, stored, all carry the same basic meaning. But it's just that planted... <laughs> helps me better illustrate and articulate my message to you today. So I'm going to say, plant the word in your hearts. Come on, plant the B-I-B-O-E in your heart. Plant this seed in your heart. Let me illustrate it. I'm going to hide this seed, as King David said. Can you see it? No, because it's hidden, dummy. All right? <laughs> I'm joking, Greg. <laughs> it's hidden but I don't want to just hide it Greg I want, I, I want to plant it because I ultimately want to grow it right in, in the book Farming for Dummies it says what you never plant will never grow think about it Psalms 1-4 and I'm going to begin to wrap this thing up it says the wicked those who live in disobedience to God's law are not so but they are like chaff, worthless, just, just about like useless, right? And without substance, which the wind blows away. This word chaff means lifeless. And it depicts a life without the truth, which is what? The word of God, right? Which is also who else? Jesus, because he is the word. The word that became flesh, that dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth truth Jesus is the truth his word is truth and that's the only thing that that I can preach and that I must preach is his word his truth in love and remember Jesus said I am the way the what 
truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. So no one gets to the Father unless they go the way of truth, unless they, they go the way of his word, unless they go Jesus' way, unless they're planted in Christ, in his word and in truth. But listen, if those, those who aren't planted in Christ, those who aren't planted in his truth, those who aren't planted in the way are like this chaff, which the Bible says the wind blows away. Now let me illustrate this. Just like a seed that blows in the wind. This is exactly what it's like to be a believer that's never planted. That's never planted in Christ. That's never planted in his house. That's never planted in the word. And the word is never planted in them. They get blown away. Think about it. Every wind of doctrine the Bible says this it blows them in a different direction every storm blows them in another location every disagreement every difficulty every battle every circumstance every situation everything that upsets them or offends them blows them to another place another location they never stay. They never work it out. They never get planted. No, they get dispersed. And wherever they land, if they never get planted where they land, they'll get dispersed again and again and again. Another place, another group of people, another circle of friends, another church, another family, another marriage, another relationship, another addiction. Just another searching, being blown around. Listen, I don't want to just be a church that gathers a whole bunch of people on Sunday mornings. Because if we just gather, and that's all we ever do, whenever the wind blows, we're going to scatter. And the wind's going to blow. Problems are going to arise. Circumstances are going to come. Difficulty, disagreements. We're going to upset one another. We're going to offend one another. You're going to make me mad at times. I'm not preaching from experience. I'm going to make you mad. Hmm? And listen, I'm so sick and tired of seeing people, church people, who claim to be strong, solid, mature believers in Christ get dispersed by every wind. And when I say wind, I mean their emotions. I mean their bitterness. I mean their anger. I mean their hate. I mean their immaturity. I mean their stupidity. You're going to get the truth at this church. See, many believers and too many believers commit like middle schoolers and high schoolers. Come on, let this hit home. Today, church people commit to their church like teenagers do to dating. Like someone, make out, get mad, break up, date the best friend. Repeat. Make out, get mad, date whoever's left, and repeat. There's no commitment. There's too many divorces in the church of God, in the house of God, in the church. I'm talking about in always, honestly. I want to be a church that commits to one another. 
sickness and in health. Good times, bad times. Till death do we part, unless God sends us somewhere else. If you're leaving or moving or being dispersed because of your emotions or because someone upsets you or offends you, that's not God's will, that's not God's way. I promise you. God wants us to work it out, to be unified, to stay, to be planted. Come on. To be planted in his house, united with his people. The Bible says, as far as it depends on you, do everything you can to remain unified. Unity is the heart of our Father. Think about it. Being connected is the heart of God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, they're connected. I want to be a church that's planted. I want to be a church that's committed to one another. I want to be a body that's so connected and so committed to one another that nothing can separate us. No division, no disagreement, no hate, no hurt feelings. I want you to be so planted in Christ and planted in this house that nothing will ever uproot you. No one, nothing will uproot you. I'm going to close with this. In Mark 4, verse 26, and I want to ask you to stand with me. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground. So forgive me, Dustin. Unfortunately, this has become the modern-day church. Just scattering seeds, hoping and praying somehow, some way that it lands on good ground. Listen, we've gotten really good at scattering seeds. We, we scatter seeds here and there. We scatter it on Facebook, social media. We post a scripture every day. Praise God. We, we, we obeyed the Great Commission. Nothing wrong with that at all. We, we, we share a prayer, a song, a sermon. Nothing wrong with that. Just scattering, hoping and praying somehow, some way, it lands on good soil. We feed the homeless one day, the next day we donate to someone. Nothing wrong. But it's not obeying the Great Commission. It's not fulfilling the Great Commission. Listen, I'm tired of wasting time, energy, effort everything else on just throwing seeds to the wind. Just blowing them, scattering them, hoping and praying that somehow, some way, we've spent more time throwing seeds, blowing them to the wind than we have cultivating the ground and, and, and planting the seeds in lives. We, we've got to be the people that take people by the hand and lead them, direct them, guide them, Instruct them, disciple them. Jesus said, go make disciples, not converts. We've gotten really good at converting people, but leaving them at the altar as babes. Giving them a, a, a bottle and sending them out the door, saying, good luck. 
We've got to start discipling people so that they can ultimately grow in Christ and be planted in his house. Some of you here today aren't planted. You're not planted in Christ and you're not planted in his house. All that can change right here, right now, today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray over each and every person in this place under the sound of my voice. God, those who are also online today, if they're not planted in you or in your house, God, you would lead them, you would guide them, you would direct them. And God, if there's anyone here today that's not planted, God, I pray that before they leave this place today that they would take that first step of being planted in you. God, salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, if there's here someone here today that stepped away from you, that haven't lived their life to serve you and to please you, from this day on, they can change that. God, today is their day of salvation. If you're here today and you've been dispersed here and there, you, you've never laid any roots, you've never truly been planted in a house. You've never really become the church. You've come to church a lot. But you haven't become the church. I want to challenge you to get planted in this house. In the house that God directs you. Wherever that may be. And that you would begin to serve in that church. To serve a purpose. To fulfill your calling in that house. You have a calling in the house of God. And so Father, right now I pray for every person here that's not planted, that's not serving, that's just coming to church, that you would lay on their heart the desire, the hunger, the need, the importance of being planted and serving in your house, of fulfilling their part in the body of Christ. Right now, God, let your presence speak, minister, 